The Medallion, Chapter 8 Before Corvin could move, the dusty creature launched itself at his waist and knocked him to the ground. Oh, Kalian, I am so happy to see you. Zarek? The lizard pushed himself upright. It is I, sir. I am sorry to have pushed you down, but I am so very full with joy. Corvin sat up. How did you get in here? The familiar, pleased with himself grin crept over the lizard's narrow face. I came back into the labyrinth using the water, but when I got to my dwelling, I could hear you knocking on the other side of the rocks. I was sure you were close. I started cutting with fire sticks. Come, I will show you. The lizard gestured toward the end of the room with a paw wrapped in a bloody cloth. Corvin stood to his feet. Did you burn your paw on a fire stick? Zarek's face darkened. No, she did it. Who? The lizard waved its damaged paw over its head like a flag. She tried to kill me, but I lost only my poison claw. She left me with no defense against the men in the cellar. I was trapped because the Kate stole a... Kate was down here? I thought she left. Yes, the Kate left through the labyrinth. She what? How did she open the door? With the medallion. Kate took my medallion? Yes, she stole it from you, and now she is taking it back to him. Him? The master of the black band? The lizard nodded vigorously. She said so herself. Intense anger engulfed Corvin and coursed throughout his whole body. Because of Kate, he had to rescue his father, and now Kate was following the black band. No wonder she wanted to stay at his house and been hanging around the cellar. She had been waiting around to steal the medallion and take it back to the core. Kate was the one spying on him when he threw it into the dumbwaiter. Corvin's rage grew, his heart pumping the Lumian power through his veins. If he could catch up to her, he would take his medallion back, rescue his father, and leave her down in the core for good. Sir, you are hurting me, sir. Please put me down. Corvin blinked at the lizard hanging in midair from his hands. Releasing the Lumian power from his arms, he dropped Zark to the ground. I'm sorry, Kalian, Zark whispered. I did not mean to fail you. Corvin slumped to the floor beneath the blue light of the Lumian and closed his eyes. His heart raced and the power ran wildly through his arteries. Concentrating, he gathered the energy back into his heart. Clutching his chest, he groaned as he squeezed the last shards of power back into place. He had never been that angry in his life. The Lumian seeds did far more than make him stronger. They exaggerated his emotions. The angry face of the chief watcher loomed in his thoughts. Sweat ran off his face and soaked into his t-shirt. Opening his eyes, he found Sark studying him. The lizard's gaze wandered up to the severed Lumian stem hanging overhead. Oh, sir, you should not have done that. I warned you not to eat the seed. It is so dangerous for your kind. How many? Corvin held up two fingers and the lizard gasped. You have the power of two in you? Corvin shook his head and pointed to the hole melted in the rock. Tsar clicked his tongue against his teeth. So good you let the power out, but also so very bad to have so much inside. If you let that much out at once, your heart may never recover, and you will die. Corvin nodded. That's why I ate the second one right away. I had to, and now I'm done. It wasn't true. He still wanted another Lumion. He stared up at the blue globe of the mother plant. Zarek leapt up beside him and put a paw over Corvin's eyes. Turn your eyes away. Now that you have used its power, you will always want more. But it will kill you in the end. Please, sir, stop before it's too late. Corvin slapped Zarek's bandaged paw away. Leave me alone. I can handle this. Zarek pulled away from him, holding his injured paw and crouching down on his haunches against the far wall. Don't just stare at me, Corvin snapped. I am leaving you alone. Stop it. I hate it when you do exactly what I tell you to. Zark turned his head to look down the length of the tunnel. Corvin closed his eyes and tipped his head back against the wall. Gathering the raw energy back into his heart, it exhausted him. What did Kate say? She said these very words. 
I must take it back to him. And what did she do to your claw? The Kate used the labyrinth portal to snip it off when I reached in to take my medallion back. But not to worry. A new claw will grow back, although it will be ugly and long. I will end up looking more like the chief. Corvin held up his hand for silence and Sarah quit talking. The Rakash leader had collapsed the tunnel to force Corbin to bring the medallion back to the core, but instead Kate was taking it to the master of the Black Band, the one they called him. We've got to stop her before she reaches the core. If the master of the Black Band has the medallion, he will no longer need my father for ransom and... Zarg jumped up. Do you have the hammer? No, I left it with Tirith. But Kate has the medallion, and we have no way to open the portal doors. We cannot return to the core without having the hammer or the medallion. Corvin tried to think, but his thoughts were all mixed up. He let a little of the energy flow into his head and the exhaustion dissipated. The problem at hand came into sharp focus along with a myriad of solutions. His accelerated thinking rapidly explored each possibility and tossed the dead ends to the side. To reach Kadir, they had to go through the labyrinth, but they had bypassed a part of the maze of tunnels in the past. The solution was almost visible in front of him. Doesn't the first door open with the seasons of the moon? Yes, it will open tonight but then we would be trapped in the first section. There's a way out of that first cave. Sir? The small fire sticks you use to weld the metal artwork in your cave. Do you have any left? Ten or more, but they are very dry. Will they still work to let us breathe under the water? Sark hesitated, then nodded. Then we can go down through the pool of water in the first cavern, where the water creature pulled me in. You said that one was the smaller offspring of the large one at the temple karst. The small one migrated up to that cavern through the water course that means we can use your fire sticks to breathe under the water and follow the river back to Kadir. Sarek shook his head. I do not have enough fire sticks for both of us to make the journey. It will be hard work to travel through the water, and our breathing will use them up. Corvin squinted at the lizard. Why couldn't Sarek be more logical? When you're moving up to the surface, you're fighting the current, but on the way down, it will sweep us along. We won't be breathing very hard. Sarek shook his head. But sir... There will be rocks and tight places and many things to go wrong. Corvin's jaw clenched as his irritation rose. If Kate is taking the medallion back to him, then my father is in even greater danger. You can come with me or you can stay here. Sark nodded. If you will try, then I will go with you. As Corvin jumped to his feet, he spied a wooden box sitting in the corner by the door into the cellar. Is that my stuff? Sark scurried over and tried to drag the box away from the wall. Yes, I did not want to let the large boy have your things. Billy Fry was here? With the other one called Pa, they were looking for a key to the rock so they could find a treasure, but he will think twice before coming back. I scratched the paw, and he will be sick a long time. Sark held up his damaged paw. But that was before Kate cut off my claw. Now I must wait for it to grow back. Corvin was only half listening as he knelt and began to empty out the crate. Billy was looking for treasure because he had seen the medallion and assumed there must be more of them. Now that Billy had told his father things could only get worse. He should warn his mother before he left, but what could he say? Bye, Mom, I'm going underground to rescue my father from an evil master who has enslaved Kate, but watch out for Billy because he wants my secret medallion. He couldn't tell her goodbye, but at least he could take some comfort in the fact that his mother was actually much stronger and smarter than Billy's father. Pulling the holster out of the crate, he flicked open the flap to reveal Gavin's fake hammer. This one couldn't open the labyrinth's doors, but it looked enough like the real one to be of some use in the core. Pulling his father's raincoat from the crate, he stuck the holster into one of the pockets. The coat was long and heavy, but it had deep pockets so he could carry extra things along. Later, he would try to exchange it for one of the hooded cloaks the people of Kadir wore, but for now it would keep him warmer than his light work coat. 
Corvin tossed his work coat into the corner and heard something bump against the wall. Good thing dynamite didn't go off just by dropping it. He pulled out one of the packets. Whatever happened down in the core, dynamite might prove to be useful. He slid the packet into one of the raincoat's inner pockets. At the bottom of the box lay a faded pillowcase and the gray slippers he had worn on the last trip. The special shoes would serve to keep his feet warm and also make it easier to move around without being heard. Taking off his runners, he pulled the slippers on. Opening the pillowcase, Corvin drew out a white scarf and held it to his face and inhaled the familiar sweet scent of Tyr's perfume. With the Lumian power lingering in his head, the aroma was much more potent, as if Tirith were standing right beside him. The thought of her lips pressed to his at the temple karst made his heart skip a beat. At least there was one person he could trust in Kadir. Reaching into the pillowcase, he pulled out the jewels Kate had been wearing at Malakar. He had kept both items under his pillow on the cot for weeks and would often pull out one or the other at night. He'd been planning to give the band of gems back to Kate when her memory returned, but now that she'd stolen the medallion, she didn't deserve them. He'd give them to Tirith instead. Shoving the jewels into his jeans pocket, he rolled the scarf up tight and pushed it deep into one of the coat's inner pockets and buttoned the flap over. He didn't want the water to wash away Tirith's perfume. Sir, do you want that as well? Zark pointed at the floor. Corbin picked up his father's acetylene lamp. The lantern would come in handy as long as he had a supply of calcium carbide along. I need to get some fuel from the cellar. Picking up his work coat, Corvin pushed through the hidden door and crossed over to the workbench. The flat tin of fuel for the lamp had been knocked from its alcove, but the seal was still intact. If water seeped into the can when they were underwater, it could explode. Leaving his work coat on the counter, he placed the tin into one of the inner pockets of the raincoat and strapped the acetylene lamp to his head. As he turned away from the workbench, he caught sight of the rounded top of his old Roy Rogers metal lunchbox. For the past few weeks, he'd been stashing a few food items away to keep them ready for the trip and safe from the mice. Picking it up, he turned towards the hidden door. Let's go, Tsarek. I want to see how many fire sticks you have left. They approached the hole Tsarek had cut into the base of the tunnel wall. Kate must have been pretty desperate to pass through such a small opening. That alone was proof she was still under the influence of the black band. Corvin squeezed through the hole. The panic he'd experienced when he and Sark had entered the core through the narrow crack into the Burrock's cave was gone. Working at the mine had cured him of those fears. Emerging into Sark's dwelling, he found the lizard waiting with one paw behind his back. I have a present for you. It was in the water, after Tirith killed the chief watcher and Jorid was arguing with you in the water creature's cave. You might want this one since yours was burned up. Sark held out a coil of translucent blue rope. This one is not as long as your green one, but it does have a double end. Corvin took the crippen rope from the lizard's paw and examined the control end. The handle was T-shaped with a control bump on either side. Holding it in one hand, he attempted to activate the controls with his thumb and baby finger, but only succeeded in getting the ends of the rope completely snarled up around each other. I think you need to use two hands, Zarek said. Corvin tried holding the handle so he could use a thumb on each toggle. The crippen was easier to handle and he sent the ends of the rope climbing the walls in two directions until the tension in the middle picked him off the floor. With the Lumian strength in his arms, he used the crippen to swing himself across the room. Do you like it? Sark said. Corvin lowered himself to the ground. I'll need to learn how to work the controls with only one hand, but I'm sure it'll be useful. Coiling up the thin rope, he tried to fit it into the pocket of the raincoat. I don't believe that coat will keep you warm. Where is your special cloak? My father wore it to the mine by mistake. The Rakash leader has it now. Oh, that is much more dangerous. Now you won't hear him coming. Zarek looked him over. 
But you will need better clothes, especially to go through the cold water. The lizard vanished into the pantry and reappeared with a butcher paper bundle tied up with hay bale twine and laid the parcel at Corvin's feet. I found this in the entry next to your past father when he... Sark pointed above him to where his grandfather's bones lay. Corvin untied the neat bows holding the package together to reveal a pair of pants, a short-sleeved shirt, and a dark cloak with a deep hood. Underneath the items of clothing was an odd-looking flat bag with straps secured across the front. These are special clothes, sir, and not only because they were your past fathers. This clothing is worn in the core for keeping the body warm, but these are the finest quality, worn only by the rulers of Kadir. He pointed to a crest embroidered on the front of the shirt. It would be best to keep that symbol covered under your cloak. Some of the people in Kadir would not be happy to see it. Corvin traced his fingers over the symbols. One was the same as one of the points on the medallion. Did this mean his grandfather once ruled Kadir? Was he going back to take his rightful place when Sarek killed him? Removing the raincoat and his clothes down to his underwear, he found Sarek watching him closely. What are you looking at? The Lumians are changing your body, sir. Look over here. Sarek stepped up by the artwork he had created on his wall and pulled a tattered cloth away from the middle section, revealing a mirror in a wooden frame with the glass cracked from corner to corner. I covered the looking glass when I no longer wanted to see myself wearing the black band. Corvin looked himself up and down. His head appeared to have been put on a body drawn from one of his comic book ads for Charles Atlas. Every muscle was strongly defined, and the sight was both frightening and reassuring at the same time. He flexed his bicep, amazed at how powerful his muscles had become. At least now he would be able to hold his own in a fight. Sark handed him his grandfather's shirt and pants and he pulled them on. They were a much better fit than his own clothes, although the pants stopped just shy of the top of the slipper shoes. His grandfather had been quite short. This is much better, Sark. Now you should move your lamp and other things into this. He handed the flat, oblong bag to Corvin. Is it some sort of pack? Like the hunting rack sack I left in the crypts? It was created for a different purpose in a place long forgotten, but if we put your things inside, it will stay dry even under the water. Sark ran a claw along a seam near the top and the pack spread open, revealing an inside covered in soft tendrils. Sark touched them with the tip of a claw and the tendrils rippled away and the pack opened even wider. When you put things inside and close it, all the air comes out and no water can enter. Everything is held tight and secure. Sark handed him the lamp and the can of fuel. Corvin tucked them away inside. The tendrils tickled the back of his hands. What about this packet? Sark held up the wrapped sticks of dynamite. Yes, I will bring those along as well. And your toy gun holder and the jewels? Sark was holding the holster with the fake hammer and Tiras tiara. I'll take the jewels, but I don't have a belt for the holster. Corvin took the tiara from Sark and put it inside the pocket of his new pants. Sark laid the holster on the ground and pointed into his entry. Shall I bring some of my food supplies? Corvin glanced at the dried gopher carcasses hanging on the wall. I think I have enough food for the trip. Corvin flicked up the clasp on the metal lunchbox and Sark leaned in closer. I've been stocking up on a few things from the Baron's store. Sark pulled out a bright packet. These are good. They melt in your mouth, not in your paws. What did you say? Sark shrugged. I saw it on Kate's television box, but I don't have hands. The lizard opened the strange bag and dropped in the candy. This one will melt in your paws. Corvin handed Sark a red cellophane package. It's called a Cuban lunch, and it's a bar of chocolate-covered peanuts. Lots of energy in that one. Sark added it to the pack as Corvin held up six packages of hot rods. You'll like these. They taste like the beef jerky, but it's easier to chew. And this is a Pez refill pack, little hard candies, and these, 
Berries from Alita Bush. I love those. May I have one? Corbin smiled to himself as he opened one of the small cellophane packets and held a red ball of candy out on his palm. Atomic fireballs were made from pure cinnamon and packed a lot of heat. Sark sucked the ball into his mouth and began rolling it about in his cheek. Corin put the rest of the snacks into the pack and closed the sides of the flap. There was a faint hiss, and the pack went flat with only the outline of bumps to show where the items were. That's pretty neat. It would have been great to have this on our last trip. The beef jerky would have tasted... An explosion of disgust from Sarek sent the candy ball ricocheting off the wall of the cave just over Corvin's head and bouncing over to land by Sarek's musical crystals. Sarek tore into his pantry and came back with a small jar of brackish water that he kept sticking his snout into and rinsing out his mouth. So you don't like the taste of an atomic fireball, Corvin said. Sarek shook his head. Not at all like Alita Berry. You can have those for yourself. They will help if you get cold. The pack will too. Try it on now and see how it works. Corvin pulled the straps attached to both sides over his shoulders. They were dark green and translucent. It looks a bit like a flat piece of my first Crippen rope. Yes, this comes from the same place in the core. The people there invented such things. Very clever. Zark pointed to the middle of the straps hanging over Corvin's shoulders. Now you touch the two circles together. Corvin ran his hands down the straps to the two flat circular pieces and joined them. As soon as they overlapped, everything tightened up and the pack pulled in snug against his back. Sark ran over to the raincoat. You forgot your new rope. He returned with the crippen and attached it to one of the lower straps of the new pack. Now you can reach it quickly if you need to. He picked up the holster. And this can clip onto the strap as well and won't get in the way. You might be able to use it down in the core. Corvin nodded and Sark fastened the holster in place, stepped back to inspect the overall effect and nodded his approval. Now you can put the cloak over top. Corvin pulled on the cloak and threw the hood back. Now he could walk the streets of Kadir and fit in with everyone else. See how your things are kept secret? Zark pointed to the mirror and Corvin turned sideways. That's great. With my hood back, you can't even tell it's under there. Zark picked up the lunchbox. Shall I put your special school case away in my pantry? He shook it and something rattled against the tin sides. Corvin took it back from him and popped the latches open. At the bottom was the blue piece of glass that matched the white one he had given to Gavin. He slipped it into the front pocket of his grandfather's pants and handed the case to Tsarek. You can keep the lunchbox, Tsarek. I don't need it anymore. Tsarek beamed and scuttled away with his new prize. A moist breeze blew over Corvin's head and he sniffed, looking over his shoulder. He recognized that smell. Tsarek's voice came from inside the pantry. The first door is open, sir. We can go now. <laughs>